How we doing, everyone? Welcome to Lucky Number, episode 13 of the Between Two Tales podcast. My name is Kevin. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. Thank you for all the new folks who are joining us recently. So, Dave, why don't you let these new folks in and tell them what the show is about. Yes, Lucky Number 13. Isn't that something? But for all of you who are new, I just want to say, for all of you coming back, thank you for coming back, okay? Number one, we'll just put that out there. For all That's of you great. that are new, right, what, we're, what you're about to witness is quite astonishing, if I do say so myself. What's going to happen is Kevin is going to generate five random words. We haven't seen these words prior to Kevin generating them. We have no idea what it is. It can be any words, right? And what we need to do is incorporate those words, either by name action a theme anything into this story while that's happening and while we're working on that we have a timer going off for 90 minutes and we need to get an outline of a first draft done in that time some sometimes we it's a little bit dirty as far as the outline goes but that's a-okay because the main objective is to get a story from beginning to end drafted and to give you something to work on right and so think of it for yourselves if we can do it you can do it too and come up with different outlines of different stories you can do it in an hour and a half and you can always add more make it better etc yeah exactly like dave and i we have friends that have been working on the same scripts for full years and good on them for keeping on it sometimes not all those years are just complete working on it. I would say most of the time they're just stuck thinking about what's going to happen next. And since we've launched this podcast, we've come up with 12 different stories from beginning to end, where some of our friends are still stuck in the very first quarter or the very first half. So yeah. it just goes to show you, if you want to create a story, you don't have to spend years on it like some of these other writers. You can hash it out from beginning to end, and it might even make it easier for you yeah. to finish the entire thing. It's funny. I was just listening to different podcasts, and they were just talking about the simple idea of it's a lot easier to edit something down once you actually have something. The whole idea is just to get something written, get something out there. Realize it's not perfect. I mean, when Kevin and I started this, we knew that we were coming at this from the idea of hey, we're gonna put this out there we might look a little bit foolish but it's not meant to be perfect it's meant to be done in a new idea and then as kevin said this is number 13 right so technically there's after at the end of this at the end of this podcast at the end of the show at least we'll have 13 that we can look back on and say hey what about this idea or this idea seemed pretty good this idea seemed not so good or whatever and pull one, pull two, pull five, whatever, and then begin to work on that one, right? But it's just, and it, we're, we just do this once a week, right? So if we can do it once a week, you guys can do it once a week, and then you'll be able to turn around at some point and see it, all the work that you have, and then you can just pick whatever story seemed the most interesting, whatever stories you seem to connect with. But yep. when, once we're done with creating our story, we have to compare our story to AI, and I'll let Kevin speak more to that. Yeah, so basically there's a AI tool called ChatGPT by OpenAI, and it's taking the world by storm right now, excuse me, but we give it the same prompt 
that we have just to level the playing field. And we then we compare who makes the better story. So far, 12 episodes in, about to be 13. We haven't lost one yet. There's been a couple instances where the AI has come up with a decent story. But as of right now, it does not hold a candle to good old-fashioned human creativity. Yep. But it is getting better. We do see it getting a little more detailed and a bit better each time, depending on the prompt. So maybe in the future, we'll be working for them. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully that day does not come anytime soon. The good thing so far is that just playing together our own brains, we're able to add a certain level of complexity to these stories that the AI seems to have difficulty matching. So, right. And one of those complexity layers of complexity is emotion. A lot of the AI's stories might seem interesting in brief and some, but it lacks a lot of the emotional details that make a story. And I'm sure like you can train it to make a more proper story, but we're just doing this for fun. We're not data scientists. <laughs> All right. So let's generate these words and get cracking. Okay. I'll get screen. And as soon as Kevin generates these words, I'm going to hit start for the timer. All right. One spin. Timer has begun. All right. So we got here, state, finish, circle. Allowance. Yeah. Interesting. Here, state, finish, circle, allowance. Allowance. Allowing something to proceed or something to happen. I'm also coming at it from a, a financial yep. type deal. Yep. Yep. That might be something in there. Yep. A state could be a state of someone's, a state of something or an actual state, like a yeah, like a living, living thing. State of mind. Yeah, state of mind. Someone could state something. Yeah. Finish. And of course, there's actual state, like place for the yeah, exactly. U.S. Finish, finish, finish something. And circle. Circle on the face of it is just so straightforward-ish in a sense. But you can also think of it as like circle of life. Right. Where something comes full circle. It could be, uh, when I say something comes full circle, it could be something pretty much not fate, but you know, not fate or destiny, but it's like, oh, there's a word for this. It's not coming to me. But when you do something, you put good energy or bad energy out there. Sometimes that can come full circle, come back to you. Karma? Karma. In a sense, karma. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was blanking on that word. It's all good. But uh, you have to hear or to hear, but you know, hear something. Right. And then that made me think of, I didn't, I think I only saw parts of it, but uh, there was that movie where you had to be quiet and don't let the monster hear you or something like this. I think I, the guy from the office was in there. I think I kind of know what you're talking about. There's also that monster that's in the last of us. That's blind. The clicker. yeah. Yeah. So that might be something interesting to, you know, speaking of, I had the like a scary nightmare around like some last of us type thing that was insane it was like i was in a i don't know why but the setting was like i was in a college campus yeah just with friends or something and out there was a huge wall and just outside the walls were all these monsters and someone blew up the wall and all these monsters came rushing in and started killing everybody and i was like what kind of kind of dream is this why am i going to college here as meant to be 
And that the, is our story. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the thing I was thinking of was a quiet place. Quiet place. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I think but I thought... You also know I don't, I'm not a fan of horror, horror films. So. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces of it, and it seemed decent. seemed good. But, you know, you could take here and that. Instead of so directly, if they heard something, like, yeah, that's great. Maybe there's another aspect to where it's don't be heard. I think we got pretty general words that... Very, yeah. That could fit into any genre. So I think we should... I think so. I think we should narrow down a genre to okay. go with. Yeah. And then take it from there. So what are we feeling for draw? Let's see. If I were to make a mystery out of these five words. Mystery. When I think of some of these words, when you say mystery, it's a mystery-esque. There was that movie, uh, why... Today is just not that day, guys. You see, you go to watch us make this whole thing, and my brain is like <laughs> halfway working. I went to a comedy club last night, but it was with Hugh Jackman, Prisoners. And I don't think you've watched Prisoners, Kevin. I think we've had this conversation before, and you never. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. But I bring it up because it's, it's interesting in the, in the sense of there's a sense of a theme around circle of life and coming full circle. And so it's interesting because you can think of it like also a state, you can think of it like, all right, there's a beginning state. And then you go through the journey, the character goes through the journey or whatever. And then they come out the other side in a new state of mind. They've learned something, they've conquered something. They slayed the dragon. I mean, that might be something that we do like a, a hero's journey. And actually make yeah. it a hero's journey with a damsel in distress and a prince. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> could be one. Let's see. Now I'm thinking of if this circle is a mystery or something. A that mysterious was, circle. Yeah. Yeah. And um, prisoners, they had this circle. And in the circle was a maze. And then supposed to, so many different layers in that film. Or what that's supposed to represent. Right. But that's something there i mean the circle <laughs> itself may be feeling like you're just going around in the circle too trying to find someone that's another theme right trying to find someone i'm trying not to give too much away but you can't right and then you just keep going around in the circle because you're having difficulty and that's something as well like what if there's a place where people go and you, you kind of read my mind because i'm like combining trying to dig into all the things that i've been reading and watching and learning about recently yeah so what if there's like a like you said the circle is a place maybe it's right. a circular yeah. dungeon i think i know where you're headed and maybe there's an object of legend within this yeah. this place i'm just going to call it the philosopher's stone the most famous <laughs> object okay. of legend of all and let's just say the philosopher's stone can grant you any wish you want or whatever there's different states literal places and different people that enter this dungeon trying to find the philosopher's stone and there's probably monsters and enemies inside the circular dungeon so they go in there to bring back riches or whatever back to their state mm -hmm. i mean you'll know what i'm talking about maybe the people looks this is from a previous conversation but maybe our main character his dad enters the dungeon never came back mm -hmm. so he wants to become whatever mm -hmm. this the title of dungeon explorer is he wants to go in there and find his dad so what if it's, it's in essence, it's a maze, but it's not the maze, like not cornfields, not hedges, not that kind of deal, right? Make it a little bit more abstract, right? So they go into this either alternate universe, alternate world, 
whatever. There was something like that has to be do with alchemy. I forgot what it's called. Hold on, let me Google it really quickly because I read about it before. It was very interesting. But with that idea, the father tries to go or tried in the past and got stuck or whatever, miss, gone missing. It can be one of these kind of things where son wants the the glory of the item, of the object to bring, maybe bring back, to make it noble, right? It could be used, like whatever it is in the power, it could be used in the evil sense or it could be used for a noble sense. So he wants to use the object in a noble sense to bring back his father, right? He travels yeah. into the portal or whatever, whatever, right? So he goes in there and has to fight her, whatever we have in there awaiting him. And then his father has been there trapped this whole time. And maybe he doesn't get the object. Uh, maybe he just tries to leave with his father. I don't know. Maybe his father still has that greed in him. You know, the son, like, oh, I finally found you and they're a little happy re re reunion and whatever. Son's like, obviously, I don't need to continue any further on this quest. And then yeah. the father's like, what are you talking, man? We have to go get this thing. And, right. and maybe he drags him to go get it. I don't know. But then the greed of the father, the original greed, the original sin of the father ends up getting him killed or puts his son's life in jeopardy or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's see. It could also be maybe where this takes place. Maybe everyone's living in this. Everyone is living in the circular dungeon on different floors. And like the deeper floors, they have no idea what's down there. I mean, there's treasure. People go down there to get treasure but like the world is inside this dungeon already a circular dungeon and it's just like these people are living off of it and they're trying to go into the depths of it maybe to figure out the mystery of the entire thing or to find the stone yeah it's like the backstory of well, what if we do realism in the sense we're like based in like real life almost until you enter this world and so they pull up from where I live, right in front of me is this, and Kevin, where that is, there's two big circular old, from the 60s or so, buildings. Yeah. A lot of the floors are empty, and it's, well, imagine when you go in there, you're expected to see this, like, apartment-style building, and inside is, as you said, a completely different world. And you can either go up and find things or go down and find things, but, like, Everything that the protagonist knew before going in is very is rooted in very real life stuff, and then inside, and he, maybe he gets the tip that like, because like maybe in order to find like maybe you have to know a thing or two in order to find the maze or be invited to the maze. I don't know, but then the maze itself is within this building, and it's only in the maze in the abstract sense of it's confusing and there's dead ends figuratively and or literally i mean maybe there's a wall but it's meant to be hard to find this thing you know what kind of reminds me of they used to, back in the day there used to be i think it was a screensaver or something like this it was on like the older pcs in the early 2000s yeah and like you would run around in terrible graphics but you'd be in a room it's like literally a maze and then you'll just have to run around and keep trying to find your way out i don't know sure if you ever played that before it's a very basic game, but I kind of think something like that, like it's in a 
could be an apartment built complex or building or whatever. Okay, so they're entering this apartment complex. Yeah. To or find he, the maze. He's entering it. Or maybe there's someone else with him. But I think the idea of the noble cause, because then it's build a character that we actually like because he's going in there for noble reasons. Like <laughs> one of the right. greatest ways to do that, to make an audience connect is to have him do something for a noble reason. It's like, all right, he thinks he can get this object. So yeah, he'll have this amazing power. But the first thing he plans to do with this amazing power is like to bring back his father. Okay, so his dad's already dead. He can. So here's the thing: he could be, or he could believe his father's dead, and then there's a surprise come when he comes to find out he's not dead. He's just either stuck or this whole time. Maybe time is warped in this building. Maybe his father's been missing for years at this point, and he finds him. And he's still alive, and he ages differently because in this building that has a different set of yeah. It's kind of uh, like the interstellar thing, right? When they're on the planet. oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Like the well, physics. Five right? hours have gone by, but yeah. 50 yeah. years have gone by in space. Right. Yeah. Something Something is this different <clears throat> physics in there. All right. All right. All right. So he enters his dungeon looking for his dad. His dad went searching for the stone. Yeah. It could be a stone. It could be, I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is. I have to figure that out right now, but some kind of object that when you yeah. get it, maybe the. <clears throat> You have the power of the universe in your hands or something kind of broad in general. We can take this and make it really elaborate because what would make this, what would make this story is all the trials and tribulations that he has to go through to even get the opportunity to find the, to yeah. find his dad or find this object. So let's say there's, maybe there's like a test that you have to take that could be deadly because you have to fight against other people or whatever to go into this maze and all the tests take place inside this dungeon or apartment building or whatever, but outside yeah. of outside the maze. Well, we can, well, that could be one thing. It's outside in the real world to get to it. There's also like within the maze. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Within the maze, within the building, there could be, I'm just going to add to what you're saying as far as these tests could be testing his, prove his worth, his worthiness. If he's, cause put it like this, it's whatever being a God or whatever, put this thing there, had to have known that folks with ill intent were gonna try to reach this thing and get it. So it's like, maybe there's tests within there trying to weed out those who have that ill intent and those who, so it's not just about being smart or whatever, it's about your heart too. Like you have to be noble, have a certain level of noble character characteristics and uh, not trying to, and then maybe that actually, maybe that's what his father needed all along. Cause he didn't have that nobleness. Like he didn't know what was going on. And then his father, so maybe by the time he finds his father, it was great time reunion, blah, blah, blah. And then the twist becomes like his father sees something in him and sees that the maze is, has some kind of grace towards him in a sense. And he's, I think he's worthy. Like the father knows now what it takes to get it, but he will never possess it because possess that because he's already been, he's already been put decided upon or whatever. Right. And so when his son comes along and he realizes his son has that kind of good heart in him, he's here's my opportunity to get it. his greed didn't leave. He just found another opportunity of getting to it with his son's nobleness like his son, mm -hmm. 
and maybe he thinks that if my son can get it, then I can get it from him. Like he won't really want it, but let's work to let's work together to go get it. You know what I mean? But he has an alter an alternative, an alter motive here where it's like he still wants the damn thing. Yeah, he may be happy to see his son, sure, maybe, but like he's more happy to get this damn thing. Like maybe the son, the father is not even all that great, but his son doesn't know that because he left too early, didn't get to yeah like that. I've read a bunch of manga where it's like there's a there's like a tower or a dungeon and they have to scale it. <clears throat> they have to make their way to the top. Yeah. And like the beginning phases, they just fight. And then obviously it gets more psychological as you go up the f floors. So I'm trying to think of a way where we're not ripping off of that too much. Yeah. What was this? You said this was a cartoon. There's like a bunch of manga about it. There's yeah. an anime about it that came from a manga called Tower of God. It's pretty good. You, sh you should watch it. I like the story. Basically, in summary, if you reach the top of the tower, you'll get any question you want answered. And all these folks, the world is actually the tower. So all these folks live inside this tower. Okay. And they have to, like, kind of scale the It's scale the world. a little different because our world, there is a world outside that's humming along. Right, right. Think of it like the Matrix almost, right? There's, like, the world as we know it humming along outside this building. Then once you get into, it could be like one of these things where you have to travel down a certain lobby or a certain, a certain point before you crossed over. Even when you're in the building, it's not, doesn't mean anything until you get to a certain floor or whatever. And then it's like, things are no longer the same. All right. Should we have these people have like powers or are these normal people? At, I think it's like normal people in a sense i feel like it can ground it something realistic and the, okay. the stakes can be about that <laughs> all right so there, there's normal people that that just deal with magical entities okay well how magical are we trying to make it not insanely magical because what i'm thinking is everyone who enters this dungeon the circular dungeon they all don't maybe they get questioned like you said about their character yeah um, that determines where they start inside this dungeon they all get spit out in like different places. And then it becomes like really a test of human nature. There's people on your floor. They might be trying to kill you or team up with you or whatever, but it really depends on where you land. Yeah. And depending on your nature, it'll determine like the obstacles you have to face to get to the, everyone's going towards the same point, but depending on your nature, your character it will determine like the path that you get leading up to that point. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe our main character gets some of the hardest obstacles because they want to, the maze or whatever entity controls this maze, they want to test his willpower to, to be good of a good person and see how strong it is. Bring me to, like you said, you had this idea about like the character. So once they get into this thing, they embody a different being, a different character. No, they're the same character. You just get it tested. So okay. this is kind of, kind of, well, there's a similar scene that I'm imagining in Tower of God that happens, but they do it for a different purpose. So they enter a room and they meet a guardian of the tower. And the, I think the guardian tells them what would, their power I, is or something like that. Yeah. But, and you know, these guardians, these guardians, like if we have something like that, they can be based in like people. You know what I mean? It's not like a monster type deal, but maybe a person that has certain characteristics of a monster. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. 
basically what I'm trying to get at is they meet this guardian, they get the resolve or they get their character judged and like they get their desire judged and all that. So the guardians can, can see what their, like this person's character and desire is. And then based on that, they get placed on a random inside a random place inside this dungeon. And then they got to work their way from where they get placed. Maybe they don't even know though. Yeah, they don't know. The person doesn't okay. know. The guardian knows. The guardian knows. Like, like the guardian's them. like, all right, I'm going to send them over here. But it's with a smile on their face. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, you need to go here. I don't know. And it's just that sets them off on where they, like the level that they need to begin with based on their current assessment. And their yeah. Let's say this guardian or the people, I mean, this entity that's, it doesn't have any sides. It's just an entity there. Mm. They want to test people's resolve. So let's say they place our main character who ha who's going to be pure of heart, right? Cause we're determining that we've already determined that to test that maybe they place him on a floor that has other individuals that have evil intent just to see mm. what he does. It's all random, right? Or maybe they're just doing that to test him just to really see if he is pure of heart. Of pure heart. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they're trying to see, I'm also thinking like maybe it's people with varying in intent, right? Like some people's intent is more mischievous than others. Let's just say, but yeah, that's all right. So it sounds like this, it sounds like we already begun to start laying out like what this thing is. So we're going to do this kind of story and figure out what happens. Should we get some characters real quick so we know who we're talking about? Yes, sir. So I'm just going to put down for now, protagonist and father and whoever else we need. We'll just, let's just call these people dungeon divers is a dungeon diver diving into a dungeon. Well, first off female or male main character. I feel like we've done a ton of males. Maybe we should do female. Yeah. All right. Female character. And that might bring something else out. Yeah. Andrea. Andrea. Jacqueline Wood. Jacqueline Wood. Give her the most basic name. Kelly Smith. Handsome. Fantasy female name generators. You're a patient. Memorable name. Raven. A Raven. A name like Raven kind of has mischievous overtones. Yeah. Joycey. Malia. Egan. Egan. Hilda. Well, either or, you know, it'd be fun if we made her a different race than human. I mean, good. She was a goblin. I mean, it could be just a different race that's similar to our own, but, or not similar to our own, but like in the sense of they're different planets, like they really live on a different planet. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, they're neon green or something. I don't know. I'm good with any name. I have no preference. Right. So what we'll do is we'll go with Junebug. We'll go with Raven. Fearsome name. Raven. 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 Her father. Her father, Drake. Crow. Raven and Crow. Spike. Quentin. Let's give him a cool name. What about Blaze? Nah, he's a bad man. He doesn't get a cool name. All he gets, right. He gets a name like Ned. What about Sean the Barber Candela? What in the world? <laughs> I have mobster names up. They have the nicknames up. It's so uh, funny. Raul the Machine Gun Dockham. Raul the Machine Gun. Saul. Saul Iron Allen. 
Kenneth the Fang Ricotta. Yo, these are hilarious. Colt, Colt Mad Dog Bendy. Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Yeah, we name him Bobby. Jared Two Tricks. We call him Troy. Troy. Noah. Colby. Dwight. Raven and Dwight. Yeah, I'm good with any name. Alright. I wanna get cracking on the story. Let's come up with a random town random town name. Ooh. I got a good dungeon name. What's that? The Sanctum of Knowledge. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The Sanctum of Knowledge. Sanctum of Knowledge. The Sanctum of Knowledge. And they are from Drago. Starlight Valley. The father's name is Drago. Drago? Yeah. Drago. Where are they from? Starlight Valley. Alright, so they got their apartment complexes the Starlight <laughs> Valley. No, the apartment complex is Sanctum of Knowledge. Apartment right. complex slash dungeon. Well, Star Starlight Valley is their city. City. And no, that's the Stardew Valley. The, One of my the, favorite games. Their state. The state. Starlight Valley, California. The state's name is Gunnum. Starlight Valley Gunnum. All right. So. All right. So to start off, Raven is growing up with you know, her mom. Well, uh, yeah. What well, we start off with the past event, so that way the audience gets a sense of what happened before, right? So it's like Raven's memory of her now, father leaving. Is this, did she know her dad before? Have yeah. memories of him? Or yeah. did she not know him, but has clues to go find him? No, I think she needs to have some kind of memories, like even if he left when she was about six. All right. So Raven's memory of her father leaving around six years old give or take montage of crying and he leaves her with something gotta leave her that's it return yeah what does he leave she's gonna bring it with her bliss pendant maybe it could be something cool i mean don't remember that movie ends with the galaxy he was left with a set tape right so maybe there's something in there he left her with maybe it's something what would be cool this might require more thought as he leaves her with some magical item that he obtained from a previous dungeon diving session. But for how many of these great things are there, huh? Of these great objects. I feel like it's just, or maybe if, if I, I might be misunderstanding you. So maybe in the prior ones, they were just of these cool things, but like he was going for the ultimate glory. I feel like there's like other like little treasures. Yeah. In, that are in inside the dungeon. Well, he could have been like there could be multiple dungeons, and then but not the same. So what I'm trying to say is, think of it like Tomb Raider. There's yeah. multiple places to go and collect these like rare items, and then the Tomb Raider's holy grail is finding the holy grail, right? Finding something that's right. right. Yep. So yep. it's like yeah, he gone all over the place, all over the galaxy and finding these interesting things. And then he was trying to get the one thing that was like the most amazing of them all. His greed was leading him to that. And then he, thus he got stuck. So he could have brought back like a, and whatever it is, in some way we'll have to incorporate it later. I mean, just to make the story feel complete. But I think of like a turquoise shiny rock, but that's not really interesting. I was thinking something along the lines of, I don't know, I, I'm trying to connect 
like something he would say to a kid, if you're ever feeling afraid, this will give you strength, but it actually does. Like it, it actually, it's one of those things where you really will when you're in your, when you're at that place, but she thinks of it as, it's like a, a imaginary thing, right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's just something that she wears with her, a bracelet, an earring, a mm -hmm. necklace, a gun. Well, what I'm saying for right now is just, it was an object. So I said, Raven's memory of her father leaving around the age of six, he hands her this object, an object, and tells her that if she's ever afraid, it will give her courage or strength or whatever. The montage of crying when he doesn't return home, years, the years start to fly by, Raven gets older, more independent, and so on. I don't know, I wasn't sure where to place it or place her after, but I just wrote down this line, we can change it, delete it, it doesn't really matter. But I said, one day, we see Raven at school, she's holding an object, or this object, she's wishing on it, and then we pull out and we see it's a school test. Obviously, it doesn't work that way. Like, it's not meant to be used to, like, it doesn't have to give her any particular strength during that time because it's more so for a different type of strength that it'll help you with. But the main objective that I was kind of trying to go there besides bringing her into whatever the current times is, this object doesn't appear to do anything. It's more of a wishful thing, just doubling down on that. But she but it also shows that she still carries it and carries, and in essence carries her father with her in her heart and so on. But yeah. bring up the question of how old is this girl? Because if I say it's a school test, it could be a college test, it could be a high school test, whatever. Well, I'll make her like 15. Somewhere where she's old enough to get into mischief, get into some danger. That's right. Somewhere around there, like teens, say high school. She's holding on to this object. She's wishing on it. And then we see she's in the middle of a school test. She hands in her test. Now I'm thinking about something interesting. Uh, now I'm like trying to think that maybe this object is one of two and her father has the other one. And Maybe he's, whenever you're scared, it lights up or something. Yeah. Just hold on to this and I'll, and I'll, I'll be there for you. Yeah. Or like, I'll, I'll be connected with you to give you your strength. Yeah. And it doesn't light up until well, this one day where she's like looking at it and it lights up because at this point she thinks her dad is dead. Well, yeah, no, if she thinks she's going to go find him, maybe it constantly is lit up. And it's not from her point of view, it's from the, well, not for her being the reason why, it's her father. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The object is what propels her to go on the mission, the journey. Yeah, but then it, it works best when it's like that inciting incident is something that like all of a sudden in one day, it lights up and it did it from before. Or maybe I cut you off too early because maybe what you were going to say was it used to light up and then it stopped. And then one day decide to light up again when she's 15 or 16, whatever. I wasn't going to say that exactly. I was just going to say it was going to light up, but yeah, we can have it light up. That can give her dies. Yeah. That can give her hope and give us our inciting incident. Make it like, why today? Why now? Because she thought there was no hope. It lights up. She has hope. Time to go. Maybe like it's her dad. He tells her that if, as long as this is lit up, I'll be safe and alive. And then just one day the light well, is gone and then it lights up again. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we don't have to think of it that hard on like the words, but 
something around the lines, it'll bring them together. But I think that sense of for right now, using it as an exciting incident. So yeah, he says something where it'll keep them connected pretty much is what it really gets down to. Yeah. So is it lit up, disappears and then lights up again? So maybe, so she has this memory, he hands her, let's make it a bracelet just for the sake of simplicity for the moment. Okay. A bracelet and tells her it will keep them connected. The bracelet shines, shines brightly. She sees her father's bracelet shine brightly as well. You make that visual connection of, oh, okay. Montage of crying when he doesn't return home. And then the bracelet, the bracelet's light diminishes, right? Yep. And it turns not black, but like. So it was turquoise, right? Or am I hearing things? Sure. Turns turquoise. Well, it's not shiny anymore. It's just. The light is going. She stares at it every day. The years fly by. She gets older, more independent. One day we see Raven is at high school. She's holding on to. Okay, so she we can say she's wearing the bracelet. She's wishing for a good grade on a paper. Let's say super generic. And then we see so we can get rid of this whole test sequence because it's not going to give her luck. It just gives her hope. So that part doesn't really matter. She's wishing for a good grade on the paper. So this is more for character development. She gets her paper back and it's a C minus or some shit. Cool. Super generic, super straightforward. It's a okay. That's right. For now at least. She says it's a piece of junk set. We don't need that, any of that. Okay. So class lets out and we meet. Now we can either meet Raven's friends or we find out she doesn't have friends and she's borderline gets ignored bullied a little bit more aggressive than that if that's the case yeah we could just say she's a loner or something if she does have a friend i think the story should go where that friend goes into the dungeon with her yeah yeah because i mean and maybe the friend dies i don't know yeah has some stakes in there i mean some stakes with some some butter yeah so she has another friend who Maybe that friend is obsessed with dungeon diving. And maybe she doesn't even want to do it. Raven, I Rape. mean. Yeah, Raven doesn't want to do it. Because of, like, the danger. And then her friend's like, blah, blah, blah. The thing goes off. So we meet Raven's friends. We find out one of them, or maybe it's only one, but whatever, is obsessed with dungeon diving. This man really wants to be a dungeon. This man wants no happiness. Raven's disposition is she hates dungeon diving. She has resentment towards it because it took her dad. Okay. Raven hates it. So we'll just do a little bit of skipping. We get a sense of home life for Raven. Her mother as a single mother type stuff. Life is hard, but her mom is killing it, etc. Uh, Raven's doing some homework. Yeah. Raven, I mean, we can even tie in some other little cool tidbits, right? Raven is, well, that thought left my brain as quickly as it came. Raven is, well, we can set it off, right? So there, obviously there'll be some stuff that would happen in between this, but like, whatever. Raven's doing homework when the bracelet starts to shine. The light goes her. Well, hold on. The flame lit lantern goes out. Imagine it like this. 
her bracelet starts to shine, it's like quivering. Oh, like flashing? Yeah, it's quivering. It's, does it really want to shine? What's going on? You think Raven is about to see it, but she steps out of the room for dinner. As she closes the door, super, super cliche. I know the light on the bracelet shines bright. Sometimes you gotta get the cliche out to find the goods. Yeah. Remember, it's the first draft, not the last. That's right. Shine bright like a diamond. Rihanna pops out. Yeah, Rihanna gives Raven her mission. All right, let me just take a second here to take a look at our words. Well, we can already embed allowance and dinner. Raven tries to negotiate her allowance. Her mom says, nice try, but hell to the naw. You guys thought we were about to forget. We don't forget. All right. Here. Now, the way I see it is we can drag this thing out. It's where the Raven goes to bed. The light is no is diminished, so she's never seen it, et cetera, et cetera. The next day, maybe she finally sees it, whatever. Or kind of keep it going. She comes, there's two ways to go about it. She comes, maybe the light's so bright, her friend so happens to be passing the home, rings the doorbell, and says, what's going on, blah, blah. They go into the room together and they find out the light is bright, it's on. And then she explains it to her friend, because maybe she never did. And then her friend's all, oh, we have to go into the dungeon. We have to go into the sanctum of knowledge or something. I don't know. Sanctum of knowledge. And she's like, I don't even know where that is. I, whatever. But that's one way of going, getting into it. Another way is she comes back to her room and that's like a more boring way. But I think her friend changed the pace up for a second and her friend comes to the door and she's, Hey, I need to talk to you. And she's what are you doing here? Why, why are you here so late? Blah, blah. I need to talk to the Well, it's just that her friend's coming over to do homework together. When they, she rolls up on her house, she sees the blue light (laughs) emanating from Raven's room. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you, you know what? I got it. I got it. Here we go. Follow, follow me down this path. So Raven's friend comes comes over to do. Gotta give this friend a name. Yeah, this friend comes over to do homework. Rings the doorbell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. Raven's mother asks if she wants to have something to. She the friend says, "Hell yeah." The mom says, it's a little bit weird. What she'll say is, the friend says she will be back. She needs to wash her hands. All right. The friend is washing her hands. She notices a bright, strange light coming from under Raven's door. The friend steps out of the bathroom and walks towards the light. She opens the door and is almost blinded. All right, the friend walks into the dining room or whatever and gets Raven's attention. And what I'm gonna do here is have a situation. She tells Raven she needs to come quickly for a second and reassures the mother they will 
be right back. I get to the room and there's nothing out of the ordinary going on. All right, we finished dinner. I'm just gonna do some skipping. We finished dinner. We get back, we get into the room. Raven is a little upset. Friend swears the thing was bright, etc. Raven says that's impossible. It's been out for years, etc. Raven explains to friend the importance of the bracelet. Skip, skip. Then the bracelet begins to flicker in front of them and eventually it gets bright. And then we can have whatever the sequence is where she's, I want to go, the friend wants to go do this thing and Raven doesn't want to go do it. So that might be something there too. He wants to go do what? So, well, the friend wants to go into this dungeon. He wants to go on the adventure. Raven doesn't want to go on the adventure that took her father out of fear that whatever it is, it's dangerous. Right. But she's going to get lured out anyways. Has she seen the light at this point? Yeah. So she saw the light. Her friend tries to convince her that they should go enter the dungeon. Yeah. I mean, eventually she's going to get her to go. So, right. So friend wants a friend thinks her father must be alive. Raven laughs. It's broken, whatever. So they have this little back and forth, whatever that looks like. Then actually Raven explains the dungeon or area her father went to. The friend wants to go badly. They go back and forth, whatever. Going to do some skipping for time's sake. It can even be funny too. Like now we are in front. So it can either be a journey to find it. I think we, you brought that up before too. That might be something or the journey is just within there. They know where to go. I almost think it shouldn't be like in the same town or city or whatever. Like it needs to be in a different place. Yeah. We also don't want to make it so easy that anyone could go in. Right. So you need to get I'm wondering maybe the idea of an apartment complex thing is just stupid. And it should be harder. I don't know, just more obscure. But then again, you, you could get away with these things where this unassuming door leads to a world of endless possibilities. You know what I mean? That's also a legitimate idea in its own right. Or listen, it is, it is also a theory. There's also a line of thinking that says, if you really want to hide something, you put it in plain sight because then people overlook it. So this mm. apartment complex or apartment, whatever, this the maze is housed in is like between a whole bunch of imagine like a bunch of new york city storefronts and all this stuff like it's just a random door does it lead you know what i mean like it's just a random door that leads to you would assume apartments but everyone knows what it is right i don't know if everyone knows what it is well they would have to or else well so maybe well maybe diving in it yeah, but maybe there's some kind of logic here where people have to find something or find out something in order to find the place. So with that, and I'm not sure if we have the time to figure that out, but we're at about 21 minutes. But if we have something where she reveals that she actually has some kind of document or map or she, over the years, she might have found, you would assume that she's gone digging through her father's stuff just to get a sense of who the man was, let's say. 
she did find something over the years. She always held on to it, but she didn't really think of it in a sense or think it really meant anything. I don't know. But whatever this thing is could lead to that place. So is there... Okay, hold on. So this is like a hidden thing where people have to go find it? Potentially. That's just one option that I'm throwing out. Okay, because I was thinking from the beginning that it was just like, it was just there. Everyone knows it's there. So it was I, but then I'm like, I wonder if it makes sense. If anyone can get to it or attempt, I don't know if it makes the most sense. I would also argue though, it doesn't really matter at the moment because we're just drafting it and going with the idea with 20 minutes on the clock, we can always come back and say, she finds a piece of paper. This is what leads her there. It's more about the journey within there. That's more important. The logic behind how that works is something that could, if we were to take this further, it's something that would have to be figured out, but it could be figured out. It's not going to stop us from the progression of this. It's more of a logic issue, but figure out a way to, to make it make sense. Yeah, all right. Maybe there there's a there's an old like chest of her father's belongings in the attic. She just rummages through it, finds pieces her and her friend pieces together clues where he went. We should just go with that route for the yeah. sake of time. Right. Um, what I'll say is if you remember something an old box from her father's in the attic, they are now up in the attic, right? And Raven tells her she didn't know what it meant, but her friend can figure it out because her friend's obsessed. She thinks it's relevant. I mean, there's obviously a jump here in order to make that even be something relevant to her, but whatever. First draft, folks. Figures out the clues. Yeah. Her and her friend figure figure out the clues. Do some jumping. They both lie to her parents, to their... (laughs) parents to go on this journey yeah they got some clues they leave for the journey all right so now we are in front of this door unassuming door in a busy on a busy street they i'm gonna do some more jumping they get inside they enter and they get dropped off in a field of green flowers everywhere looks like a whole new world yeah they get inside there's only two doors we'll do like the matrix style there's only two doors one on the right one on the left i don't know there's something interesting that could be there in order to like how they pick a door but whatever they go with the door on the right what hand did more was it morpheus yeah what hand so when he get when he showed i don't remember Oh, okay. I know it's color-based. Yeah, it is color-based. But I know that obviously one was in one, the other was in the other. Yeah, red pill, red pill, blue pill. And I think what, the red pill was... Well, let me Google it. The red pill was in his right hand, which is, he sees the truth, right? And the blue pill yeah. stays the same. I think it is. Blue the pill. door on the right, a step inside, and fall to a field of green, green grass. Green, soft, long grass. All right, 15 minutes. We need to get through at least three trials, find Papa and all this stuff. So I'm actually gonna, I kind of wrote some of this stuff as we were spitballing. I was gonna copy and paste 
some of this stuff down and then we can kind of put stuff what do we in. got so i was thinking one of the trials is i don't know why i had this in my idea but one like the next place after one of these places the answer is in the water but for some reason they can they're able to breathe but it's dark and they see a light so they swim towards the light but it's a giant angler fish and they get swallowed by the giant angler fish and uh, I don't know, the key to getting to the next place is inside yeah it's like the this layers, giant angler fish. the layers and layers within brings them deeper and deeper to the two the layers bring them deeper and deeper into basically the levels that's going to be a hard section so what i say is soft grass how we get them from the grass so basically at this point someone say we have trials yeah whatever the trial is here and i'm just going to write this little section here raven finds her father el papa if you want it all right we got 13 minutes if you want it i just Keep it general if it helps of what these trials could look like. And then I'm just going to get her to like where she finds her father. And I think at the, I think it would make sense that she already passed all of the trials or maybe she has one left. Which one? Pick one and then I'll tie it in. No, she should pass all the trials and come to the final door or something. Yeah. And that's when she finds her dad. Or, yeah. She thinks it's the final door. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That part opens the final door. That's literally what I'm starting off with. Field of green. What <laughs> trial would be here? But something needs to show up. I'm just going to write the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. Man, it's that lucky number 13. Yeah. My brain is just not firing for the story for some reason. Yeah. Oh, That's you, how it is sometimes. It is what it is. Something's better than nothing. You can always edit something. That's right. I feel like by the time that she gets her father, her friend is no longer with her. So I'm just putting that out there. Okay. How should they progress from trial to trial? Like a door? Another door? Yeah, I think so. But I think we can get like kind of dragged with what a door is. Like you said, that fish eats her. That can be a door. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I think abstract doors is fine. Could be interesting. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's just something that brings to you to the next with like place. It doesn't have to be like a physical door. So let's see. Six minutes. Reaches the last part. Last part. I'm trying to make these trials sound cool. Yes, please. Everybody, everyone's watching in real time. The stressor with five minutes to go. Ooh, four minutes. I'll make sure we get an ending on this. That's a tough one. It is. It's a toughie. Oh, man. The most vague ones, I'm telling you, you can go anywhere with it. Oh, man. If I can land this plane with two minutes to go. This is one of those times, folks, where we just have to piece together a story just to get it done. Just to get it done. One minute. Oh, boy. All right. That's a janky ending, but it will have to do. You know what? That's fine. It's going to have to. I was able to use circle allowance and state and kind of finish and here. I think we did here. Hear the doorbell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there goes the good old timer. All right. These are some janky trials, I think, but sometimes it just has to be this way. I could say this is not my most proud outline, but you know, the story has some potential here. 
it just needs a whole lot of work. It does need a whole lot of work, but there's something here. Yeah, and a whole lot of thinking through, because it could honestly be quite an epic tale with some proper, like, world building and, um, yeah. and like, really honing in on these trials. I think it could, and, it, and with some theme work, it could yeah. really go somewhere, but I think it's a pretty interesting little story. Not a great story, but an interesting one. But we'll find out. I mean, we haven't read it. Yeah, we'll have to find out. Yeah. We just double check all words for you. I don't think I was able to use any of these words in my section because <laughs> they were already used before or. Well, allowance, circle, state, and here. I was able to use finish. I sort of used but it definitely wasn't applied well but maybe you can use in the sense of finished a trial yeah right right right. they finished the trial yeah okay let me give myself a good old stretch before we read this one out boys and girls this is gonna be an interesting one i've been caught this time i've been off more week than we could chew on the 13th lucky or unlucky oh boy all right. I ha- I could do the beginning, stop at the trials, and then bring us home. Oop. Yeah. Fix up my camera settings uh, here. My man said what he got in store for the third, for the middle. Y'all ain't ready for it. All um, right. Man. All right. We, you can bring it to the trials when they land. Stop. Try to talk through the trials. Trials, and then wherever that last trial, that last door, I'll bring us on home. All right. That sounds good to me. All right. All right. And this is just a lesson. Sometimes, just like Stephen Pressfield said, it's not going to be your day every day, but you got to show up and just do it. Just show do up. the work. Just do it. It doesn't matter what you write down. It's about writing stuff down. All right. And not judging it too harshly. You both know this is not the finest hour, but it was a good hour. That's right. All right. So let's start the story. We start off with Raven, our protagonist, her memory of her father leaving her around six years old. He caresses her cheek, holds her tightly, knowing that where he's about to go is a place of danger, but wanting to make sure he can hold his little girl tightly one last time. She has tears welled up in her eyes, telling him not to go. He bends down and bends to one knee and tells her, and pulls out a bracelet and tells her, no matter where she goes, as long as this is still blinking or shining, they will always be connected. The bracelet shines beautifully and wonderful and looks extravagant. Her father pulls down his sleeve and we can see he's wearing almost the exact same bracelet on his arm and it also shines brightly. We have a montage of crying when her father doesn't return and the bracelet's light diminishes and goes back to its beautiful turquoise color, but no light shines. The years fly by. Raven gets older and more independent. We catch up with Raven one day while she's in high school. She's around 16 and she's still wearing the bracelet her father gave her. We see that she's in class with all her classmates. Teachers walking around passing out a a paper that was recently graded. Raven claps her hands together and prays and we assume for a great and a good grade. Paper is put down in front of her, and it's a C minus. She's not happy about it, but it's better than the F. 
class lets out and we meet one of Raven's close closest friends. We find out that the friend is obsessed with the legends from the dun from dungeon diving and all their escapades. Raven's disposition that we come to learn early on is that she hates dungeon diving and really thinks no one should do it as we'll soon find out her father went dungeon diving and never returned. Raven goes home and we get a sense of her home life, a modest house. It's nice and simple, clutter everywhere, but livable. Her mom is a single mother and she's making it work. Raven is supposed to be doing her homework. She's preparing for her friend to come over. She takes off the bracelet, puts out her school books. And at that point we hear Raven, it's time for dinner. Raven tells her mother one second. He puts down another item for schoolwork and turns away to walk towards the door. At that moment, we see the bracelet start to flicker, the shine. We think Raven's about to see it. Just perhaps the brightness will catch her eye, but she steps out of the room and closes the door behind her. As she does, the light on the bracelet shines as bright as we've seen when she first got it from her father when she was six years old. At dinner, Raven tries to negotiate her allowance with her mother. Being a single mom, she tells her a nice try, but it's not going to happen. She needs to be able to put food on the table, pay the electricity and other appliance bills. She can't afford to raise her allowance. Raven agrees and stops and knows not to push on this. They're eating spaghetti and as she's about halfway through, the doorbell rings. Raven says, oh, it must be her friend. She jumps up, walks over to her door, opens it. Friend has her bag in hand. She didn't realize that she was going to catch him having dinner so late. So Raven's mom sees her and says, hey, you want a bowl of spaghetti? You can get some. Her friend says, hell yeah, absolutely. Give me a second. I'm going to go wash my hands and come back. Her friend leaves the dining area, walks over to the hallway, goes into the bathroom, the door is open, and begins to wash her hands. As she does this, she notices some flickering, bright flickering going on outside of Raven's door. She steps out of the bathroom and she can see that the bottom strip of the door is pulsating with this bright light. She Raven opens the door. She doesn't even have to step inside. The light shines so brightly in her eyes. It's almost blinding. She closes the door, walks back into the dining room. She tries to get Raven's attention, but Raven doesn't understand why her friend is trying to get her attention. She tries to ignore her and tells her just to sit and have some, something to eat. Her friend says, her, no, just for a quick second, come and we'll be right back. She tells her, tells Raven's mother. They leave the dining room. They get to Raven's bedroom. She swings open the door and everything looks ordinary. Just as normal as it looked when Raven had left for dinner. Raven says, I'm not really sure what the joke is and walks away. The friend stands there flabbergasted at why the room wasn't bright with light. They end up finishing dinner, they get back into the room. Raven's a little upset. She doesn't understand why her friend would tell her a lie like this, knowing how important the bracelet is to her. Maybe not to the full extent, but she knows it means a lot. And she knows at one point it used to light up. Why would she tell such a lie? Her friend swears the whole room was bright as the sun. Raven says, impossible. It's been this now for a decade. Raven then explains 
the whole situation that happened with her father way back when and what the bracelet really means. Is at that moment, the bracelet starts to flicker in front of them. It gets brighter and brighter. Of course, her friends tells her, I told you so. But they're both shocked that right in front of them, the bracelet is starting to shine bright. The friend tells her, tells Raven the most obvious. This means your father is alive. Raven laughs. She counters with, it has to be broken. There's no way. It's been like this for a decade. You can't be dead for a decade and come back. <clears throat> Raven explains where her father went to or where she thinks her father went to. And the friend really, really wants to go badly. She's down for the adventure. Hell, if he's not alive, they can go and find out. What's the harm? They go back and forth. Raven then says, wait a second. Let's go up to the attic. They're up in there looking around. Or Raven's rummaging around in the chest. She pulls out this long piece of paper. She says, I don't know why this didn't come occur to me earlier, but my father was looking at something just like this before he left. Her and her friends figure out some of the clues are on this paper. It leads them to a special place called the Sanctum Knowledge. What is that? She says, I don't know, but it says it's right here. Her friend pushes her a bit and tells her they need to do this, very least to find out what happened to their, her father. Raven agrees, but deep down, she knows she doesn't want to go. Deep down, she knows the danger, some, somehow a part of this. We are now standing in front of an unassuming door in a busy street. People are going about their business, walking and going with various bags and various shops all around. They get inside and open this door, and at the end of this hall, we see only two doors, no stairs, just two doors. One door is on the right, the other one's on the left. They get to the door on the right, they twist open the knob, it opens all the way. They take a step inside, what looks like a normal room, and fall. One of the longest falls that they ever felt before onto a field of soft, long, green grass. That's right. And as they're trying to get their surroundings, trying to figure out where they are, they hear kind of something like the sound barrier breaking, like a plane that's just flying really fast above them. And they feel a gust of wind suddenly take place around them. Their clothes starts to blow and stuff like that. They don't know where this G-force is coming from. And then all of a sudden, a giant bird swoops down grabs both of them, one in each talon, and flies them to their nest. The girls are kicking and screaming. They have no idea what's going on. The bird drops them inside her nest, and there's an egg there. The bird just calmly sits on the branch, and this is the signal for the first trial to begin. This is a trial of nurture, but Raven and her friend don't know this. So they're looking at this egg and they're wondering what they're supposed to do. They're on this giant tree and they see on other branches, other giant birds. We don't know what kind of bird that is at this moment, but they see little hatchlings of the chicks just breaking out of their eggs and flying. Raven puts together, connects the dots and thinks that maybe they're supposed to help this little chick hatch from its egg and fly. So they go towards it. There's a little crack and a little hole inside the egg, and they see the chick inside, but it's afraid. It doesn't want to come out. 
So with every, they're trying to whistle it out. You're trying to like, come out, baby chick, come out. With no avail, Raven's friend tries even breaking the eggshell, but she can't. Her strength wouldn't, won't allow her to even scratch the surface of this egg. So they're sitting around thinking of ideas, and they see up above on another branch, a mother bird bringing this worm-like thing to one of the unhatched eggs, and then the baby chick breaking out of the egg, eating the worm, and then able to hatch from the egg itself. And they're like, where do we get this worm? I think we have to feed it, or at least get it some food for it to come out. So they're looking all around. They look further up the tree, and they see other mother birds taking a cocoon that's already on stuck to the tree, cracking it, and that's where they're getting all these this grub. So they come up with the idea that, all right, they have to scale up further up the tree, crack one of these cocoons, get the grub, and bring it back to the nest where the baby chick can have its lunch, its first meal, and then hatch. So they ascend up this tree, and they reach one of these cocoons. They're trying their hardest, just trying to break it. It's cracking. They're punching at it, hitting it with makeshift hammers that they made out of sticks and stones, and, so, and they finally get it to crack. And they start to slip out this grub from, from the cocoon, but they hear a buzzing sound. A strange, distinct buzzing sound. A fly that's just in your ear. And they look above. There's several cocoons that are molting into these moths. These moth-like flies. And they see Raven and her friend taking this grub, and they dart towards them. So Raven and their friend are ascending. The tree is climbing down as fast as possible. Because these moths are after them and trying to eat them. As they get closer to the nest... The moths are right on their tail, about to grab them. They jump into the nest, and all of a sudden they hear a chomp, and the mother bird has essentially saved them, and they ch and she chomped up the moths behind them. They look up at the mother bird, nods, as in they're on the right direction. They go up to the egg. They hold the grub there. The baby chick starts sniffing around, pokes its head out the eggshell, and eats the grub. Now... The baby shell, the baby chick starts to hatch, starts to break out of this egg, and it starts snuggling up against Raven and her friend, and all is well. Now, the mother bird steps down. She's smiling down at Raven and her friend, and she lowers her head as if to tell Raven and her friend to get on. So Raven and her friend hop onto the mother bird, and they take off again with one fell swoop, take off into the air, and they get flown towards a cliff with just an ocean beneath. The mother bird drops them off, gives them a slight nod, and flies away. Raven and her friend are like, now what do we do? There's nothing around. There's just this cliff and this ocean. And her friend says, I think we have to jump down. Raven's like, what do you mean? How are we going to breathe? Their friend's like, I don't know. We've already seen a lot of weird things. We don't know what's going to happen. So they take the leap of faith. And they jump off the cliff and cannonball into this ocean, this sea. As they hit the water, they realize that they're not running out of breath. They can breathe underneath the water. So they start swimming around, except it's just pitch black. They see little other fish swimming around that are lit up. 
So they start following schools of fish, trying to find their way. And they see a distinct light in the distance. And they see all other fish just swimming towards that light. So they decide to follow the fish, swimming after it. As they get closer and closer to the light, they could see the shape of something behind that light. And as they get right up close to that light, they see the angry eyes of a gigantic anglerfish who was just hunting for its prey. The anglerfish chomps down on the school of fish. Every All the school of fish starts to dart off. Raven and her friend are screaming. They're swimming off too, trying to hide as far as possible. The anglerfish is on their tail, chasing after other fish, but there's just nowhere to hide and nowhere to go. It's just pitch black around them. So Raven and her friend tries to decipher this riddle. What, it, what are they supposed to do here? There has to be a purpose. And Raven says, I don't know. I think the anglerfish is the key. Don't ask me why. I just think that it has to do something with this trial. So they swim towards the light again, following another school of fish. They meet eye to eye with this anglerfish. And the anglerfish opens its mouth and just chomps down on both of them. But inside the anglerfish, the two are falling once again in what seems like an endless fall. The anglerfish was the door to the second trial the entire time. It was a test of courage. So they're falling and they land inside a castle now. This scene, this trial seems straightforward. Or they think they're going to be, they think this is the reward. Because they're in a room and there's just a treasure chest in the middle. Behind the treasure chest is a knight on one knee with his arms out presenting, looking like it's presenting something, but its its hands are empty. Next to the treasure chest is a key. Raven's friend says, I think we won. I think this is a treasure. This must be one of these legendary treasures that I've read all about. She runs up to the key, opens the chest. Ravens tries to stop her with no avail. The chest opens and there's a sword there, a glowing sword. Her friend picks up the sword. She starts swinging it around. So look at me. Look, Raven, we got a legendary magical sword here. Now this is badass. We can start cutting through monsters that are coming towards us. And Raven says, wait, I don't think this is the treasure room. Her friend says, nonsense. We got our treasure. Now let's go. Let's get out of this castle. As they try to leave this room, a spike gate closes down on them at, on the entrance. Walls start, doors in the walls start to open up and skeletons start coming out armed. Now Raven and her friend has to fight off all these skeletons one after another. It's like they won't stop coming. Suits of armor start to come out, swinging their swords, <laughs> trying to take out Raven and her friend. They end up fighting off all these different monsters in suits of armor. But Raven is trapped underneath a suit of armor, trying to pierce a sword through her chest. Her friend picks up the treasure sword, comes to Raven's rescue, swings at the knight at the suit of armor, but the suit of armor just takes its attention away from Raven and just pierces her friend in the chest with its sword. Raven can't believe it. She's frozen there. Tears are streaming down her face. Out of anger, she takes the sword from her friend's hands and slices up the suit of armor in half. And with that, the doors 
on the walls close, no other monsters or skeletons or shoot of armors are coming out. Her friend is in Raven's arms, struggling to breathe, blood trickling from her mouth. She's trying to whisper something to Raven. Raven puts her ear closely, trying to hear what she's trying to say, but her friend ends up dying right there. And Raven closes her friend's eyes and just lays her there. The door, the gate behind Raven is still closed. So she has to escape this room somehow. She looks at the knight statue with its hands out like this. She takes the sword from the treasure chest and places it on the knight's hands. And the door, the wall behind the knight opens up and she walks into that dark room. Now she's in a long hallway and that was the final trial. Now you have to take us home, Dave. Raven walks down the long hallway to the door that sits perfectly shut at the end of it. She opens the door. At this point, she expects to see the object that they came there for, as they couldn't find her father. But at this point, they've gone through the trials. The object should be right beyond the door. Instead, she finds a figure that looks to be a person or a beast laying on the floor. Raven walks up to it cautiously and looks at it, begins to stir just a little bit. Then, like something from your worst horror movie, it jumps up and comes after her. This beast resembles part mountain lion, part saber tooth. Raven runs to the corner of this room, tries to get away. Just as this beast is about to lunge and bear and place its fangs into her, an arrow right into the head of this beast. It dies. Standing to the left of Raven is a man she hasn't seen in almost a decade. She can't believe it. And on top of it, this man looks almost no different than the day he left. Maybe a little bit more rugged, but hasn't aged a bit. Of course, it's her father. Raven runs up to him, gives him a hug, ties hug that she's given him even before she was a child, that she could give before she was a child, as she was a child. They hug each other tight. He can't believe it either. What is she doing here? How did she get here? How does she know to come here? As he's trying to ask his questions, she's trying to ask some of hers. They stop for a moment and just look at each other. They're both trying to get these questions out. Then the smile on his face fades away. He becomes very worried to the point where tears start to swell and fall down his cheeks. He tells her that she made a terrible mistake. Because of her following, following after him, she'll be stuck in here with him forever. He's been unable to escape. It seems the way back through the doors don't lead anywhere other than circles, circling right back to where he'd begun. Raven tells her father not to worry. It appears that she has passed all her trials, and she will help them get out. Her father is not as is not as doesn't think that that's a work, but tells her maybe we'll try. If she did pass these trials, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a hope. He tells her he knows exactly the way for them to go. For them to try to go a place where he wasn't allowed to go but maybe now it'll work now that she's there they get to the door that looked nothing much more than the closet door in this room and opens it i step into the hallway similar to the one that she was just in before they run down towards the end of this hallway they open the door and they're back in the same room this time the beast is no longer there they dash across the floor, 
open the closet door, try it again, back in the hallway, run down the hallway, they open the door, they're in the same room. At this point, they're going around in circles. The father loses hope. He lets goes, let go, let goes of his baby, of his daughter's hand and tells her he knew it. She's destined to be trapped in this endless circle with him forever. Then he gets an idea. He says, well, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you try opening that door by yourself? Ravis asks him, like, how will that help? They need to get out there together. She's not leaving without him. He tells her to trust him. Just try to open the door herself. Raven walks over to the closet door and opens the door. This time, the door opens up to a room that's all black. As she walks out into this room, it's like she's entering the void. In the center of this room is the legendary object that they've come here to get. The legendary stone stands there glistening with spotlights that you can't find or see anywhere shining down on it. Raven's father calls out to her and asks her, what does she see? Because as he looks into the closet, all he sees is the hallway. But he can hear her voice and she calls back, it's dark, something in the middle. Raven gets up to the altar, picks up the object, and can feel the power as it penetrates through her skin and spreads throughout her body. She takes it back through the door as she came. Her father rushes over to her and asks to see what's in her hands. She opens her hands. He begins to cry. After all of these years that he's been stuck going around in circles, he can now finally see the object that he's been searching for. The object that legend said exists that he, over the past few years, believed did no longer exist. And he was just a fool. He asks Raven if he can hold it. Raven looks at her father and decides to give it to him, not fully realizing what is going on. Her father, the same power that rushed through Raven just moments ago, rushes through him. His face turns into a smile as he can feel the energy return back to his body. He feels alive. Raven tells him that they need to leave quickly. They finally got the item. She got what she wanted. Her father lets go. He agrees. So at that moment, that guardians, and the same guardians as before in suits of armor, drop in into the room. They ask her, what has she done? She's given her father, who they deemed unworthy, the ultimate power. Raven tries to explain that her father is a good man. He would never. Raven's father knows the truth, though. He turns around, looks at his daughter, and tells her he indeed did not pass the trials and wanted this power for evil purposes. That very moment, Raven feels betrayed. She doesn't know what to say, but there's no time for her to even think through her thoughts. As that starts to happen, her father ends up having to fight and battle these guards. They're almost no match for him. He becomes power drunk, wielding it quickly throughout the room. At this moment that he strikes his own daughter, he strikes Raven while battling the guards because he cannot control the power that he's just been given. The guards are all down. He rushes to Raven's side. He tells her he'll get some help. Don't worry. Raven's in a bad state. She's dying. Her father knows he can save her, but it will come at a sacrifice. He'll have to sacrifice the object and use it to save her. He looks at the object. He looks at her, looks back at the object, at the stone in his hand. He hears more suits marching down the hall. 
preparing for another engagement. He decides at that very instant to save his daughter's life. And as he does, the suits of armor come in and they spear him. Everything goes black. Raven wakes up in her bed. Her bracelet that her father had given her is still on the dresser. Her room looks no different than when she originally left. But we have a finished story. Oh, man. That was uh, quite a tough one. That was quite a tough cookie. That was a very tough one. But we still finished. We still finished. Even though that was pretty rough, I think there's bones there. Oh, very. Pretty epic, pretty epic tale. Yeah. Pretty epic tale. I decided to leave it in a place where you don't know whether this was a dream, whether she survived, <laughs> and because she survived, she just wakes up. Yeah. And there's a po there's a possibility if it's rewritten that you can loop it to the beginning. The beginning might have to change just a touch, or maybe we don't start off in school, but she starts to start off with her waking up, and it looks it's the first, the last scene is similar to almost the first scene of when we meet her at 16. Yeah. And then, so it in itself could become a circle and a loop. Right. Story. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, that was... Uh... We were trying to juggle with some bigger ideas, but... Within, yeah, we were. In an hour and a half. We were. But there's a lot of complexity to it that I think justifies its roughness and I think will make for overall... You heard where we're coming from, where our themes are kind of going, that will justify and beat out AI in, in the level of depth that this kind of goes. I think so. I think so. Man, that was a tough one. That was a hard one. That was probably I, our hardest one I yet. I also won't be surprised if we if AI beats us in a, just a better story, but that was a tough one. I don't even know what to tell the AI for a prompt. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. Let me, let's see what it we could say here so i create a story using the words here state finish circle and allowance as words or themes in the story make the story about a character seeking something inside a dungeon like what are we really trying to say it has special power so you just put like a magic stone that's roughly what we were bringing up like a magic seeking a magic powerful stone in there magic stone inside a dungeon i don't know what else to say <laughs> i think that's i think this is good just to see what it spits out because it'd be interesting yeah let's just roll this might be better than what we got we'll find out in a second that was a doozy that was sure a doozy if i ever seen one my brain was scrambling oh but i couldn't remember words I was like, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I'm like, wait, how does he feel right now? I can't remember the words that I want to use. Dude, I couldn't figure out. Oh, this is a short story. First, we got to see what the title is. Magic Stone Dungeon Journey. Okay. Well, sorry, a bad title. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. In a far off land, there was a young mage named Asher who had heard about a powerful magic stone hidden deep inside a dungeon. He had read about the stone's incredible abilities in ancient tomes and was determined to find it. The stone was said to be capable of granting wishes and had been guarded by powerful spells for centuries. Asher knew that the, stone, that the journey to find the magic stone would be perilous and he was determined to complete the task. 
He stated his intentions to his mentor, who warned him of the dangers lurking within the dungeon. Nevertheless, Asher was determined to finish what he had started, packed his bags, and set off towards the dungeon, making his way through the dense forest that surrounded it. As he reached the entrance to the dungeon, he saw that it was a vast circular structure made of ancient stones. He took a deep breath and stepped inside. The darkness inside the dungeon was so intense, but Asher was prepared. He brought with him a magical orb that illuminated the way ahead. As he ventured into the dungeon, deeper into the dungeon, he encountered a variety of traps and obstacles, each more difficult than the last. He was grateful for the magical allowance that his mentor had given him which allowed him to cast spells and fend off creatures that lurked in, within the dungeon. Finally, after many hours, many long hours of exploring, Asher saw a faint glow in the distance. As he approached, he saw the magic stone shimmering in the dim light. He approached it with caution, aware of the powerful spells that surrounded it. However, as he reached out to touch the stone, he heard a voice in his head, warning him of the consequences of using its power. Asher knew that he could not risk the consequences, so he turned back, leaving the magic stone behind. As he emerged from a dungeon, he realized that the journey itself had been the real reward. He had grown stronger and wiser, and he knew that his adventures were only just beginning. Listen here, man. I thought for a second there we got had. That we got. Absolutely not. And then it killed itself at the end. <laughs> it, it just, it got all the way there, and then it just turned back. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. The story's okay and then it just killed itself it literally made a story about how the journey is the destination right no i'm not <laughs> about that not about that at all all right well i'd say that was a pretty easy win i don't know how we won by the skin of our teeth we got lucky by the skin of our teeth we did get lucky this was a doozy lucky this number was, 13. Uh, one of those complex adventure ones that whew, yeah but crazy with some of this, with enough work, you can get the themes, the symbolism, the all this stuff to kind of work in its in its own right. The idea of a circle was interesting. I don't think it was. It definitely wasn't played to its fullest ability that it would no. need to be. But it was incorporated in a way to get you thinking about it. Oh, the whole story can be a big circle while there's circles looping. Like the whole story is a loop right. while there's loops within. The journey right 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 and then there's like smaller loops as well technically that like you can make them and so it's just interesting that that could be a, a part of this yeah and that whole dynamic between her father whatever like that story would need to be way longer yeah and him going about his power or tricking her in a sense he sees the opportunity for something that he couldn't resist is the way I like to right. describe it. I don't think his intent was necessarily go into trigger, but the opportunity presented itself. And Agreed. He couldn't agree. Yeah, he couldn't turn it down. So we got to give this thing a title. The first three that I thought of, and two of them, one of them is terrible at least. So I have The Maze, though I think that's the title of some other movie anyways. The Dungeon, kind of Probably. vanilla. Then I have Dungeon Diggers. But dungeon Diggers. Terrible. Dungeon Divers. I thought about having Sanctum of Knowledge as the title. Yes, because it's the name of the dungeon. Yeah. Not too bad. It's another one. Greed. Her friend died of greed, and her dad died of greed. That's another theme right there. You're right. The overall sense of greed. The stone on the altar. The stone on the altar. The knowledge stone. 
the knowledge stone. Raven. I thought about that too. Raven's journey. Raven's stone. The stone of Raven. The journey is the destination. <laughs> sanctum of knowledge. Seeking knowledge. The sanctum of knowledge. The sanctum of knowledge. Sounds like some epic shit though. The sanctum of knowledge. It was supposed to, the way you have it, it's structured to be pretty epic. It is. The trial is supposed to be pretty epic. The final battle. The whole thing is pretty epic. Knowledge trials or sanctum trials. The sanctum trials. The sanctum trials. The sanctum trials. The trials of knowledge. A's trials. A's runner. The dungeon trials. The dungeon trials. Sanctum. I think the sanctum trials or just the sanctum. Yeah, the sanctum. The sanctum. Yeah. That's the one. The sanctum. Yeah. All right. You heard it there. This is the story of the Sanctum, an epic tale of trials and tribulations and greed. Yep. And just to put this in perspective, in an hour and a half, I guess technically hour 45, we were able to have a working title, a bunch of crazy ideas, but a completed story outline that God knows needs work, but you just can see all the work and all the things that you can do within that time frame. And now yeah. this can be, now we have more themes that we didn't consider until we wrote it out and realized there's other opportunities to pull other themes into this, which would go into the second, third, fourth draft and only get sharper. That's right. That's right. And even though it wasn't our best work, it still got done. And that's what it's all about. That's right. <laughs> because sometimes you come back to an idea and you have a different angle on it. And it is just what it needed, right? And it's just what it needs to take it to that step, that final step. Yeah. All right, y'all. This was all right, guys. 13. That was episode thirteen. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with a new set of words and a new story. Yes. See you guys next week.